0: Hi everyone and welcome to the Sustainable upgrades podcast in this episode which is a special episode of the special series for the upcoming Olympics we're going to talk about canoeing and it is the fourth episode of this series and if you lost the first three this is time to start to catching up because the Olympics are now getting closer and closer. I might not be the most qualified person to tell you about the history of canoes, and now that was quite important for the evolution of mankind. Canoes were invented before the wheel, and probably had a bigger impact than wheels on the way that humans started populating vast portions of the of the planet, and they've been pivotal in places like uh, Oceania, North America. So we're talking about something quite primordial here when we look at canoes. So so, I mean, like, suffice to say that they've been around since ever really. What are canoes? Canoes are, are small vessels. There's different people that argue they invented canoes. The reality is probably that they've been invented independently by different prehistoric cultures. And depending on who you ask, kayaks are a subset of canoes or something different. If you go with interpret the first interpretation that uh, kayaks are like a particular type of canoe, then canoe becomes an umbrella terms which include kayaks, whose origin is Green- Greenlandic, meaning from Greenland, and then can- Canadian canoes, whose origin, despite being called Canadian, are a bit less ins- less certain. For sure, like those type of uh, vessels were uh, quite important. prehistoric times in both North America and Oceania. In sports canoeing the distinction is between kayak and canoes. So those are two different things but then the name of the sport is canoeing which is quite confusing but when we talk about canoeing we're talking about canoes and kayaks. (laughs) So I didn't confuse you too much. But what is the difference between the two? So what's the difference between a kayak and a canoe? Now a kayak employs a double-bladed paddle and competitors are seated so it's a vessel where when you're when you're in it you're seated you have like a paddle which has a blade on both sides and you keep alternating one side and the other kayaks traditionally have something called a spray deck a spray deck is something that isolates you from carrying water uh, that pretty useful in, like when you are on rapids, but also when you are at sea and also makes it much easier to flip-flop if you capsize which is quite important if you're in a kayak because being seated you're basically trapped in it, so when you capsize <laughs> you want to be able to flip-flop, otherwise you're gonna drown. Uh, canoes, conversely, traditionally do not have sprayed eggs although you might see them on canoes that I used for uh, whitewater rapids and the reason why there's no spray deck traditionally is because when you are on a canoe you need to kneel uh, while paddling so it's, you're not sitting like in a kayak but you're kneeling and your paddle is single-bladed meaning that you're not gonna alternate you're just gonna keep paddling on one side now at the beginners level If you have any experience, which most of us do nowadays, kayaks are much easier and more natural in a way, whereas canoes takes a bit more using to them. Both are within the umbrella of what is called today canoeing. Now, the federation, the umbrella federation for all canoeing, ICF, the International Canoe Federation, and they organize events in uh, several canoeing disciplines, both in flat water, which is what, where you see sprint competition usually, and in rapids, white water, or even extreme white water rapids, but also in oceans. There are things like marathon canoeing, or there's also team sports So you can do in a canoe. There's canoe polo, which is a sport on the rise, which is it's quite fun actually thing to do. I never play, but I think it looks like a of fun. Where you basically have like a goal post and you play in a canoe with a ball. So you can figure it out. It's basically water polo by your in a canoe. Obviously, though, the main focus for the ICF are the two Olympic disciplines, which are canoe slalom and canoe sprint. And once again, when I say canoe slalom and canoe sprint, I mean both kayak and canoe slalom and sprint. Now, canoeing has been part of the Olympic program uninterruptly since 1936, so Berlin was the first edition they were included. And at the point in time, only canoe sprint events were held. The first time the canoe slalom was first admitted at the Olympics was Munich 1972. However, after that there was a 20-year break and it was finally introduced again and has been since then in the Olympic program in Barcelona 1992. As I always say in this podcast episode, Barcelona is probably the most important Olympics ever in Olympic history. And as you see, it plays an important role in canoeing as well, because since then we had both the sprint and the slalom. As I said, canoe sprint takes place on flat water, which is typically a lake or an artificial body of water. And typically at Olympic venues, is shared with rowing. So it's basically the same venue they use for rowing in the first week, they use for canoeing in the second week. And the format is like really, really simple. The first guy to the finish line wins. Canoe slalom is a bit more complicated. Now, canoe slalom was initially done on natural whitewater rapids, but is now mostly at the artificial rapids or natural rivers that have rapids that have been modified for the purpose of competing on it. Uh, slalom is not called slalom because they have to zigzag through the currents. <laughs> I mean, they do, clearly, but um, the slalom is through gates. So same thing like a ski slalom. And each gate consists of two poles hanging from a wire strung across the rapids. So it's not like fixed in the water. It's like in the air. There are two kind of gates, green gates and red gates. Green gates are crossed downhill, so downstream simply need to uh, the competitor simply has to get his head between the gate when going downstream whereas red gates need to be crossed upstream what that means is that basically the competitor has to go past it and then they need to paddle their way upstream clear it with their head and then keep going downhill as fast as possible when I say as fast as possible it's, it's because, yeah, it is important to get there as fast as possible. Uh, but it's not that it's simple because it's not just the time that matters. So it's not a race. It's a time trial, meaning that each competitor is on the river by himself. But it's not a simply time trial. Uh, you also need to avoid making penalties. And the major penalty is if you miss a gate, obviously, which is a 50 seconds penalty. It's basically a run killer. If you do that you're basically out but also if you touch the gate with the paddle, your body or even the canoe itself is a two second penalty at the end of the at the end of the run then your time uh, is your, your score rather is your time plus any seconds that you get with errors and penalties now uh the first World Championship for canoe, canoe Sprint were held in 1938, so just after the first Olympics in the in the same discipline, whereas the first canoes Slalom World Championship were held in 1949 in Switzerland because the sport was basically invented in Switzerland, the canoes lalom, albeit then it kind of spread across all uh, Europe, Central Europe and Alp- Alpine Europe. The however it took them like uh, much more time, it took them like 40 years to become like an official uh, long-standing olympic sport whereas canoe sprint has been an olympic sport pretty much from its, its inception from uh, an organized sport point of view. In terms of competition format 2020 has seen an overall of canoeing events at the olympics uh, because now more events are now women's events to the detriment of like double events, but let's go with order. So in Canoe Slalom we have four events in Tokyo and there's been four events of Canoe Slalom pretty much since ever. However, the change here is that we in Tokyo we're going to have two women's event, kayak female, kayak uh, canoe female. and two men's event, which is kayak men and canoe men. The loser here is like the discipline, the C2, canoe 2, that has been dropped from the Olympic program. Canoe 2 basically meant that uh, two guys in a canoe were going downstream. And that's obviously still exists as a sport, but it's not anymore an Olympic discipline. And that's because we now have the single canoe uh, on, the, on the women's side as well. Now, the reason why the single canoe in Slalom was not present uh, in in previous edition is simply because there were much fewer female athletes competing in that discipline compared to kayak, for example, because women's single kayak were already part of the program, but that's because simply there were much more women competing with, with a kayak than with a canoe. Now things are getting a bit more balanced and like... Obviously, uh, the the IOC has been pushing for uh, getting like uh, an equal amount of events between genders, which means that even if for sure canoe slalom for women is still not as developed as other disciplines within the canoe uh, umbrella, they get their Olympic uh, event. Now, how does it work in terms of um, actual competition format? Well, um, they start with two qualifying EATs where all the res- all the participants, all the athletes run. They have two runs, two EATs, two time trials really. That's what they are. And the best of the two is their final score. And then they rank them from top to bottom and the, IA, the best 15 advance to a semi-final. And once you get to the semi-final, you do not uh, uh, keep your score with you that you made in the preliminary eats, but it's a new run and it's just a single run. So if you screw it up, you're out. (laughs) So it's like a bit of tactics employed. The semi-final, you just need to make sure you're in the best 10 because you're not going to carry that score to the final. So the the biggest names like in the semi-finals tend to be be careful. Uh, And then once the top 10 qualifies to the final, then there is one single final run, which is the only score that matters for the final standings and, and the medals. So that's how uh, Canoe Slalom works. It is quite fun to watch. Uh, I think it's, for me, is one of the highlights of the, of the first uh, weekend, let's put it this way. And uh, so I would recommend watching it. In the second week, on the Olympics, uh, Canoe Sprint is the name of the game. Now we move to flatwater racing. So we move like in venues that are being used for rowing just the week before. In most cases, basically all of the Olympics I remember are the way and Tokyo is no different. And also in canoe kind of sprint, we had, had quite an overall. Now Tokyo will see at the Olympic debu- debut for three events, which are the women's uh, single canoe 200 meters and the women's Canoe doubles 500 meters and that's going to bring the total events for women as six same number of men. Uh, the f- uh, four events are in kayak and two are in canoe so or Canadian canoe, whatever you want to call it. And uh, indeed also here we have women's Canadian canoe events present for the first time. The need to introduce these women's events led to a complete overhaul in terms of what is an Olympic event for canoe and what is not. And if you had told anyone like uh, six years ago that this was going to be the Olympic program in Tokyo, they would have called you crazy. But basically, they changed everything, they changed the distances, um, they changed whether it's a double, it's a single, it's a kayak, canoe. What we end up with is like an unprecedented um, lineup of events which makes things quite interesting and also risk like, shuffling up a bit the hierarchies, the international hierarchies of the, of the, of the sport. Uh, and indeed, like, there's some weirdness to this uh, lineup of events. Like, for example, there's no women's event longer than 500 meters, where like, normally in canoeing competition, you see women competing on a one kilometer, even two kilometer uh, event. So it, it's quite weird that the, the longest is 500 meters. Whereas, at the same time, there are four four one-kilometer events for men and also both Canadian events for men, the single and the double, are one kilometer. So there's no um, event for, uh, for men with a canoe lower than one kilometer, whereas for women there's no event longer than 500 meters if you're in a canoe, which is really strange. So there's no really logical sense to seize. It's like literally a com- a political compromise that uh, the Federation reached. Um, but it kind of to with disjointed program where you need to double check every time. Okay, so so I have seen two guys in a kayak, so what's the distance they're competing on? You probably have no idea, you'll need to check the graphics. Um, and but at the end of the day, what we have is basically either single doubles or four people, it's the K4, that's like, you know, I'm not saying it's the main event, but for sure it's like what gives you an idea of which countries are better than others. Because if you can field a competitive K4, you have four very good canoeists or kayakers, (laughs) however you want to call them. So, I hope I didn't confuse you that much, but canoe sprint, at the end of the day, is like whatever is the distance and whatever is that the boat are using, a canoe or kayak, is literally whoever gets their first wins. And in terms of competition, format is also quite simple. You start with each, you go to semi-finals and then finals, and in some instances you don't even have semi-finals because the number of athletes competing in canoe sprint is quite limited at the Olympics, so you don't need many intermediate stages before the final, so in some cases literally just semi-finals and finals. The, the venues I already said before that like they tend to be the same, of, uh, used by the, the rowing competitions and um, in Tokyo it's going to be the same. Uh, for um, canoe sprint, they're going to use the Sea Forest Waterway uh, which is located in Odaiba which is the new Tokyo Bay area so it's in the new zone that they built for the Olympics and the canoe slalom instead is going to take uh, a place at an artificial course at the Kazai Rinkai Park which is also around the same area not exactly on the coast it's a bit more inside but um, still like in the general new Tokyo area that they built just for the Olympics. The qualification process is quite selective because as I said there are not as many athletes that compete in canoe as they do in rowing, for example, and therefore um, like it's a quite a long process and there are limited slots. It's a concluded just a few weeks ago and basically what we've seen is that all this reshuffling of um, <laughs> uh, different events in the canoe sprint did not lead to a different uh, lineup of uh, stronger, you know, of what are the strongest countries but Whether that's going to have any impact on the final medal table is still to be seen. But what are the traditional strong countries? Now, uh, with the only exception of Sydney, 2000, when Hungary won the medal table, Germany has always won the medal table in the post, uh, say, Berlin, after the fall of the Berlin Wall. Before then it was the Soviets, which were the dominant force, but only because Germany was split in two (laughs) otherwise. If you sum West and East Germany, even before ni- the 90s, you, you'll see that they also dominated the medal table back then. Historically, so Germany and Hungary are the best country, but also mostly because they excel at the sprint, which assign more medals than the slalom. Uh, Germany is also good at slalom, uh, and that's why they dominate the medal table. But the reason why Hungary is so prominent in the East Olympic history the sport is because of the excellence in uh, canoe sprints. In slalom the main powers are Central european countries like Czechia, Slovakia, Germany but also France and Italy have good schools and recently also Spain. In the sprint there is more of a global um, taste to it because it's not just European countries but you have uh, New Zealand very very strong uh, it's one of the most important parts of the medal table then Canada also quite strong and Australia which as for any water sports they are quite good at that in the sprint uh, we had uh, other European countries with good tradition are Romania, Norway and Spain but obviously not to the same level of consistency of Germany and Hungary now at the 2019 World Sprint Championship we saw the rise of three countries which are Belarus, China and Russia now, you might guess that people are not very happy with that because those three countries have one denominator in common, which you could guess. But to give you a clue, uh, Roma, Romania and Belarus were banned by the ICF in 2016 because of systemic, uh, systematic doping with, uh, with those, within those federation. And they ultimately lost the legal battle because they... The Federation imposed a blanket ban because most of these athletes tested positive for uh, meldolonium. Then there was a long legal pacto uh, where like, the IOC was not involved, but they went to the arbitration tribunal in, in Lausanne, which is uh, the one that uh, usually uh, has the final saying in everything related to sports justice. And the ban was overturned, but the damage was done, at least from a reputational point of view, And so the fact that now Belarus won the medal table at the World Championship after all of this drama, uh, you know, it it doesn't make people very happy. Uh, That being said, we also had China rising in the past uh, few years. So there's another country that can challenge to have a good place in the medal table for this sport in Tokyo. So overall, uh, I would expect the main force to be Germany. Belarus, Hungary, and China. Romania is more of a question mark. Other than that, you know, uh, in the slalom, we will see the usual Central European um, uh, countries competing for most of the medals in Tsai-Kia, Slovakia, even Slovenia. So there, there's not much of a change in guard. But in the sprint, there's like a lot of things going on. It's it it's a sport that is where like the, the competitive balance is shifting. And it's not 100% clear where it's shifting towards. And that's because of like these doping scandals, but also because we haven't seen many competitions in the past years because of, uh, well, you know why. So it's quite an interesting sport to predict and also quite hard to predict. So we'll see. Uh, hopefully we'll know a bit more. Uh, we could have some uh, World Cup events and some continental championship events before then but obviously especially countries like uh, China uh, and Romania uh, always hide their cards before the big events so it's going to be a lot of guessing work so yeah that's pretty much all I had to say about canoeing um, I think it's, it's one of those sports that um, is at, at times overlooked because people like I have a feeling that people just you know when they see canoe on TV, they think it's like rowing, but it's not. <laughs> it's something completely different. So I hope I clarified what is like the, What what's a, what like what the canoe Spring competition look like? Yeah. So I, I hope you enjoyed the episode, and uh, I'll see you soon.